Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. My name is D.C. Marshall, a co-host here of Be Lifted Up, and I'm here with my partner in faith and finance and facilitating these amazing conversations. He is Alfred Edmund Jr. Hey there, Alfred. Hey, D. It's good to see you. Good to see you and good to hear you for those who are listening. So, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it feels like, uh, time is just um, slipping through our hands in 2022. And I know you have been running, Alfred. I have been running. And I want to catch up um, on that. But I think part of our catch up will happen in our conversation today um, because we are talking about uh, women, uh, Black women and girls, and we're talking about leadership and all of that. And I feel like there's a conversation and catch up that the both of us um, want to share and see what we're doing to add to this conversation about Black women and girls, what's been happening in the summer. I mean, I just feel like there's a lot going on. Do you feel like that, Alfred, like with election stuff and summer stuff and pandemic stuff? I mean... Well, no, absolutely. And, and what I'm feeling is, you know, we went through that period of a quiet period forced upon us for practically two years. And now everything's back full swing again. We are on mission. We're on point and our schedules are full again. And I just I've been focusing on. But don't forget the purpose that we re-identified during the quiet period as we get back into the hustle and bustle of, of our businesses and our careers and our lives. And, and that brings us to just a great show topic for today. We're talking about Black Girl Dreams, and, and our guest is, uh, is going to be really a great conversation about what we can do to affect the vision that God has for our children, for future generations in this day, in this moment right now. On uh, this show, we are talking Black Girl Dreams, and the question that we, we really are um, asking and presenting on the show is where is the equity in our children's future? Where is the equity in our children's future? And we are super excited to have a woman who is not only passionate um, about this topic and and this theme, but really about, um, you know, passionate about our communities, passionate about um, all of the things that interest and all of the things that are top of mind for Black women and girls. Our guest today is Malika Berry Rogers. She is executive director of Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. And we're super excited to talk to her today, um, Alfred. Do you know Malika? Because you know everybody. This is one I only know her by reputation. I, you know, you know that that LinkedIn second degree of separation. Like I know people that know her. I don't know if she knows people that know me. I'm very familiar with the work of co-founder of Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium or the founder who is the co-founder of uh, Black Voters Matter, um, Latasha Brown. So yes, I mean, you know, Malika has done a couple of decades of really important work um, in, in nonprofit management as a nonprofit executive on a number of issues that really serve our community. And you go, faith is about service. So I admire people who are saying, yes, I'm making my career in the service of others, especially those who are 
who are the, you know, often the least of these. So I know her by reputation. This is going to be just a pleasure to get to know her one-on-one um, -on -one and directly through the auspices of our conversation today. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yep. And, you know, I'm really interested in there's part of her story and I can't wait to hear from her. We're going to bring her in in just a minute. But part of, I think, her backstory in terms of what fuels her, and, and I'm sure she'll share, is um, this whole idea that Black women and girls receive. And actually, it's not even an idea. It's yeah. a stat and it's, it's fact, real. Yeah. We're talking about facts, right? Mm -hmm. But it's that Black women and girls receive less than 1% of the 4.8 billion in philanthropic investments, um, particularly in the South. And I want to talk to her about that because, you know, Black Philanthropy Month is known to be in August, the month of August. So it's gotten a little bit of um, a rise, I think, in the last few years. And I just uh, left Martha's Vineyard where Black philanthropy is really big in the month of August. And so I'm really curious to hear what she has to say specifically about teasing out Black women and girls. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I think we'll bring her in. Um, yeah, let's yeah. bring her on. Let's, let's have this conversation. I'm really looking forward to it and excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There she goes. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, hello. Hey, Alfred. Hey, Dee. How are you doing? We're doing doing, doing doing fantastic, and we're excited to talk to you. I'm excited so, as well, really. So I do know you, Malika, by reputation. I think we know some people in common, but you know, tell us a bit about your story, your journey, and, and your mission even now as the executive director of the Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. Alfred, you're correct. I have spent an entire career focused on subjects and ways in which I can turn my personal passion into my professional passion so that I can give in my work. That has, you know, do you ask what fuels me? That has been some of the fuel, some of the way I've actually spent my career. And I spent years in agencies that worked with women and victim assistance. I'm a graduate of a women's college myself. I've worked in broad-based community volunteerism. And so I've really always found a way to kind of make sure that my gifts and talents were, were for the betterment of community. And I made a choice a few years ago that really what I wanted to do was to focus my efforts on Black women and girls. Um, given the statistics that you mentioned at the top of the show, that of the nearly $5 billion that are available, programs that fund Black girls and women's are, women are receiving less than a percent of that. And so that, that was some early scholarship done. But if you take looks at the... Subsequent scholarship, you will find that the data doesn't really change very much. The measures by which we capture it changes, but that data doesn't change very much. And so when we look at what the South needs, what Black girls and women need, we need our consistent investment. You know, I'm fascinated by this topic because I think when people hear the numbers, I know you're on a, embarking on a campaign to raise $100 million over the next decade. And they hear numbers like that. And I think they don't always understand the scale. Uh, you know, when somebody said they made a million dollar donation to an organization, it is a lot of money, but then it's not a lot of money when you look at the scale of need, um, where other monies are going. How do you communicate that and help people to understand? Um, I, I mean, I was taken aback. And I know, you know, philanthropy that doesn't necessarily go to Black people, Black women, Black girls. But even I was taken aback at the meager amount of money that actually goes to those causes, particularly in the South. 
I think the way that I've helped people to understand the, the, the breadth between what is being given and who we are is if, is if you take a look at the statistics. So another statistics may not sometimes be as, as open or available for folks as we want, but think about it like this. 50% of the people in the United States who identify as Black and African-American live in the South. They live in one of these 12 to 13 states that are considered the Southeastern United States. And 50% of those individuals are women and girls. So when we're talking about less than 1% of $5 billion to address at best 50% of those people who identify as Black and African-American, and then another group that identifies as women, then we realize pretty quickly, we have a lot of people who are doing a lot of great work but then are not receiving the investment that philanthropy has to offer. And, uh, and we believe, and we'll talk about this more, of course, but what we believe is that the network of Black women and girls, we have the ability to help each other and identify each other and point philanthropy's investment in the right direction so that the good work is funded and the work gets done. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I want to jump in here um, again with regard to the stat and something you touched on, and that is, I think, Alfred, you mentioned a million dollars or a billion or whatever the number was. Maybe, was it a, a million or 10 million? Oh, well, their, goal, their goal is to raise $100 million over the next decade. Right. But then you mentioned about the give, right, the charitable offering. And I'll, I'll just add this to that um, and why that jumped out at me. Because, you know, at Diversity Engage, we've done some... I would say some research on the give, like when an organization gives a million dollars or $10 million, let's just say to uh, Southern black girls or uh, right, is it sounds like a, a, a lot of money, um, but it's not when it's a single charitable deposit, meaning it's all relative in terms of if it's a multi-billion dollar corporation mm. that gives a million, 10 million, we're talking about point zero 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 two five percent and so i think that's the point that jumped out at me and and largely because um at the diversity tipping point major corporations were making um you know lots of commitments to give to historically black institutions not just colleges and so when they wrote these big checks whether it was 10 million and that's why i mentioned um alfred a lot of money no it's not not if you're a multi-billion dollar uh corporation and what we started to do uh or started doing was just framing it in the from the perspective of that is point zero 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 so it's all relative if you're a multi-billion dollar company giving 10 million and giving a single deposit in fact that's what we call a diversity fail if you will right because malika you want uh, funding or the real allyship or the real support is some sort of continuous because if you get you know a one-off donation and you build the organization you scale and then your budget the following year uh you're in a deficit you're at a loss so i know i said a lot but i just wanted to tease out that number because i've had to deliver that to corporate to say yes and no and we see you and that's the kind of conversation and the pressure respectfully that we need to have so that organizations like your organization so that you get the right funding i'm gonna go right to Malika because we want her to tease out all that we need to know and really break down um, this issue in terms of funding Black women and girls. So Malika, what do you have to share and or respond to? 
mostly agreement. I think one of the things that we understand is that you know, companies are making business decisions. Um, and so those business decisions say, my goodness, we can spend out of the marketing dollars or we can spend out of the diversity dollars. And those dollars are earmarked to speak to particular communities. And we are pleased that those dollars exist and pleased that, quite frankly, since um, the the uprising and the way that we had to lose George Floyd before the world took notice and we had to lose Breonna Taylor and we had to lose countless names of young black lives on video camera before the world took notice that this was this was a moment uh to sign our names collectively on yeah. statements of equity before those moments black organizations were kind of cordoned off into these sections of giving with our corporate partners now what we know some corporate partners are actually taking the lead on figuring out what it means to fund diversity. And they are doing some courageous work, but the real courageous work and these partners know it and, and those who are coming along also know it are the multi-year gifts you were talking about. So we're gonna make a commitment to you and we're gonna make a commitment to you in this year to make sure that you grow. And then we're gonna make a commitment to you in the next year to make sure that you're sustained. And then we're gonna make a commitment to you in another year to make sure that you're maintained. So, I mean, I think those are the types of commitments that we're looking for to get to that big hundred million dollars. We're looking for long-term friends, not a handshake, right? We're looking for people who are in this with us because this is the right work. And if you think broadly as you had been earlier, Dee, if you think broadly about um, particularly with corporations, if we think about Black consumer power, what we know is that many industries actually market to us because we are great consumers, right? So we are building the wealth. What we are asking for is that you then invest our invested us as individuals at because we have been great consumers. And I think that business case is being well made by a lot of our peers in the sector, well made by you earlier before the break. And, and of course the business case that we're making now and in the ways of course that corporations are investing in um, public personalities because those public personalities actually speak well to who we are as individuals. We're seeing a change, it is happening and we are excited about it happening, but yeah. those long-term investments rather than a handshake are what is really gonna help us turn the tide in black community. Mm -hmm. You know, what also fascinates me about the work that you're doing, and obviously this is a show about faith, finance, abundant living, and we're talking about what it takes to create healthy communities, which makes all those other things possible. Happy, healthy, functioning communities, as opposed to dysfunctional communities. And that also starts with working with individuals, and in your case, working with young people. You know, we, we talk about our obligation to future generations for the long-term health of communities and companies have a stake in that, whether they are invested in it or not. Talk to me about the importance of this work, not only in terms of you know what we think of as traditional philanthropy, that we're doing something to give back or we're doing someone a favor, but this is really about the ultimate health of our society. So uh, one of the things that we have, we have a little tagline and we say, you invest in girls and strengthen the nation. Um, and it's based, again, on those Pew Research uh, statistics that I shared with you earlier, 50% of the South uh, is Black and 50% of those Black people are girls and women. And so one of the things that we want to be able to talk about is what it means to be, I'll pick it up, Alfred, in a healthy community. 
One of the things that our girls have been telling us since the top of the pandemic, when we we do a challenge called the Black Girl Joy Challenge, where we ask girls to tell us what their joy is, and then we fund that wonderful idea um, and give them a leadership opportunity in their community to lead this project, either for their immediate family, their community, or a larger group of girls in their school, or perhaps even in the South. And so the girls define their project, they write a budget, we fund them at 550 to do this amazing project. And it's a leadership development option for us. But one of the things that we have learned while we read their applications on the back end is our girls are really, really perceptive and they're smart about self-care and they're smart about mental health. They recognize that what has happened for them during the two years we've been apart, for some of us, two years that we've been apart from school and community, is really that they need time to kind of reemerge and make new friendships, understand how to make friendships, deal with their own personal anxieties. And a lot of girls as young as 12, our youngest applicants are 12, our oldest applicants to that challenge are 24. But across that spectrum, whether or not you're in middle school or you're finishing college, what those girls are saying are the exact same thing. Self-care, mental health are important. And so we'll talk a little bit more as we, we do today, I hope, about our bus tour. But we are, and one of our sponsors and partners, rather, of that bus tour. But one of the things that we could not leave to the side was this focus on mental health and self-care. Because the girls are telling us this, and we are responsive to what they need. And so that is, you know, Alfred, when you think about health and what builds a healthy community, it's healthy girls. It's really healthy girls. And we're definitely going to talk before this show is over before, about the Joy is Our Journey Dream Bus Tour, as you're referring to. Um, we, and we want to go deep into that before we wrap up. Um, but you're covering a lot of territory, um, even with what you're doing already. It seems like it's very ambitious. I mean, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. And I already know, just from what I know of, of, of states like Mississippi, and Louisiana and Georgia, where I have, you know, family and, and friends, that is, that's a heavy lift. I mean, it really, really is. But, you know, talk about your, 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 your own um, faith and attitude about that heavy lift. Um, you know, not that there aren't challenges all around the country, but you're really talking about at the heart of a lot of the things that are defined inequity in our society. So I'll quote or paraphrase our founder, Latasha Brown. She's visionary founder. She's also the co-founder of Black Voters Matter. So if people's ears are poking up like, she sounds familiar because she and Cliff Albright in Black Voters Matter have moved the needle on Black voter engagement and power building in the South. And what she often shares with us as we do this work for Southern Black girls and women is that this was her vision. She got the vision for Southern Black girls and women almost at the same time she got the vision for Black Voters Matter. And because she's a woman of faith and a woman of conviction, she moved on both of them at the same time. She didn't make a priority. She moved on both visions at the same time. And so what she also knows and will also share with us as we move forward is that because this was a vision set by God, there is provision. 
there is provision for it. So our vision, our dreams for what we would want this hundred million dollars isn't larger than what God has set for us. And so she will tell us that when we get, when our knees begin to shake a little bit about the breadth of the area, the depth of the need and the dollar amount that we're hoping to invest in the South, she lets us know. So in her stead, I will let you know that there is provision for this. Um, And it is in the strength of this community. Really, it is in the strength of this community. You know, I, I so feel that conviction. Uh, I mean, just on a personal note, I think I shared on an earlier show that one of the outcomes of my experience of the pandemic is that now I'm, I'm praying for bigger bills because I'm trusting the provision. You can't pray for big, you know, big wealth and big positive outcomes and say, but can you keep my expenses and my bills smaller if you really trust in God's provision? You know, this show is about faith and finance. And what I really love about today's guest, Malika Berry Rogers, is the level of faith and the amount of uh, funding, finance funding in this conversation um, and in the work that is committed to uh, Black girls um, in Southern states. And so Malika Berry Rogers, if you just tuned in, everybody, she is the executive director of Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. And what we are talking about here, and I wanna make this really clear, um, this is an organization funded by other organizations. So there's a story of women supporting women. um, And then there's a story of women being financially and physically responsible to fund our communities. Um, And so what Malika has done at Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium is committed to a mission to raise $100 million over the next decade. But there's already been disbursements. And I wanted to kind of tease that out. To date, they've already awarded $2.2 million. So everybody listening, and if you're online, um, hashtag $2.2 million that has come from Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. And that has gone to 71 organizations and special projects Uh, special projects across some of the states that Alfred mentioned in the last break, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Southern states for the most part. And just so you know, the awards were made available through the fund. And the reason I wanted to talk about that is because there are opportunities for us to give um, and beyond our tithing, there are organizations that we can support um, to support black women and girls. And so it is the Black Girls Dream Fund. And that is the organization or the fund, I should say, where the, uh, the monies were dispersed from. And I think that's just important to know because that's a lot of money, 2.2 million to 71 organizations. And what I really believe about you, Malika and Latasha, God has entrusted you all as vessels and instruments and distributors of wealth. That's what really just showed up in my spirit. Y'all are, yep, I said y'all, y'all are distributors of wealth, meaning the the vessel and the instrument. And so I really just wanted to to hone in on that and then come back to you um, to, to just respond to, you know, how is it that four organizations come together to create the fund and then even some of the work that you're doing with those 71 other organizations that you're able to support? 
So I'll start here and say that the name of our organization is a tongue twister for some folks, but consortium is exactly what we intended to be. We are a network of organizations and what the four founders did. So Latasha is the visionary founder, but she brought alongside with her the Black Belt Community Foundation, Felicia Lucky leads that, the Appalachian Community Foundation, Ms. Margot Miller leads that, and the Fund for Southern Communities, Alice Jenkins leads that. And these are four Black women who lead philanthropic efforts in the South for decades. Amongst them, they have given out millions of dollars, millions of dollars over decades to organizations that are focused on not only issues of equity and race, but also social justice. And so they are not new to this. This is their this is their strength and this is their passion and this is their direction. Before we gave out any of that $2.2 million, what we did was we sat back and we listened to girls and women and we asked them, what is your dream? What do you need? What is the gap between your dream and your need? And how might we help to fund that? That information funded the way we give our money. We absolutely created a fund and a way to access this money that is completely centered on Black girls and women. And we consistently make changes and tweaks to that process as long as we can hear from our network of our partners about what works and what doesn't work. And so when we look at this to nearly $2.2 million, and actually, if you look at us, we're a new organization. So we started giving out in 2020. And so if you look there, we're, we're closer to almost $3 million that we've given out over these years. And so when you look at what we've given out and how we fund, we fund organizations who, quite frankly, the network can see the network of Black women and girls across the South. Alfred, that's how we can take on so many states because we have friends, partners looking for the women who are doing the good work and encouraging those women to apply. And so that network also then, we call them the Wisdom Council. They are then the selection committee to do that good work. And then the four organizations, which we call anchors, actually then bless their decision and fund that work. So the only way that this works, the only way the breath works, the only way the funding works, the only way that we are funding the exact work that addresses needs in our community is because there's a network of Black women at every center of our work. Every point of our work, there's a Black woman who's involved in doing the work. And it's the only way that it works. That is so amazing and so inspiring. And I mean, I, I feel personally challenged as D and I often are when we have guests on this show about what we want to do with our time, tide, and talents. This is just really amazing. But I do want to jump in real, give real time to this Joy Is Our Journey Dream Bus Tour. Uh, events in seven cities, free, open to the public. And yes. it's, it's designed to lead to your Black Girls Dream Conference um, in September. So talk to me about that, what you hope to accomplish along the way, and what ultimately is the mission of the conference itself. So I'm going to kind of slide in this way and kind of give the big news first, because I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> yes, drop it. Let's drop it. Let's break some news. So we talked about mental health earlier, and we talked about the need for mental health. And those of us who are familiar with entertainers, we know that they have their public personalities and then they have their their real lives. And Latasha Brown and Ms. Megan Thee Stallion became women of glamour at the same time. And they forged a friendship. That friendship has turned out to the Pete and Thomas Foundation, which Megan Thee Stallion founded for her parents, um, is now one of our partners of the bus tour. And so we are traveling across these cities, across these states, 
with Megan Thee Stallion's foundation as a partner because mental health is important, because she has understood in her own life it's important and she wants to be able to share that as we move across the country. And so that is a huge, huge, huge investment in her and what she would like and of course what her foundation would like. So we're really excited to have her join us on the tour or have her foundation join us on the tour. And as we go from city to city, we talked about what was missing during COVID. It's that relationship. You know, we stayed apart from each other so we can maintain our health. But what we lost is the value of community and being next to each other. And girls in particular need that um, to calibrate off of each other, to encourage each other, to discourage behaviors that need to be discouraged. And as adults, I need the same thing. And so... (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And so we are creating these spaces as a journey. So joy is our journey is the theme of the bus tour. And when young girls and women join us, they get a chance to get a little passport and they visit each station so that they are able to have a journey to fund where we can double dutch and we can hula hoop and we can uh, go to cosmetic chemistry and make our own lip gloss and bath bombs we could go to face painting and with some new eyelashes get we turn ourselves into a cat or unicorn or a butterfly and for the parents that are there we have the mentors and mama section so if you have to have had to defer your dream to raise your babies then this is a chance where we have options for you to kind of restart and rekindle your dream as well. And so these are, while we are focused on black girls and women, this is a family event. This, I bought my own eight-year-old son this past weekend in Atlanta and he had as much fun as I did. And so this is a family event. And so whether or not everyone in your family is a girl, Or if you're a girl dad, or if you're raising boys and girls, bring everybody, bring everybody. This is a family event. And one of the things that we want you all to be able to do is to meet us. We'd love to meet you, but we're also looking for new grantee partners. We're also looking for the women who are doing great work in their communities because we'd like to be able to get to know you and fund your work. If we have already funded you, we want to see you in person. We haven't seen you. We've seen each other on these Zoom screens. We haven't seen each other in person. So we'd like to do that as well. And here's how you're going to know we're in your city. We are the biggest, pinkest, bubblegum, pom-pom bus that's going to float down the highway. And as soon as you see a big old pink bus coming down the highway, you know you're in the right place. That's where the party is. That's where the Joy is Our Journey tour begins. Well, listen, I want to make sure, you know, we got a little bit more time that we talk about how we, our audience, can be helpful and, and, and contribute to this journey I'm so glad to hear it's family driven. I know how to double dutch for your information. <laughs> I am I am in fact a girl dad, so I may have to show up at one of those cities. But listen, you're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We're here with Malika Barry Rogers of the uh, Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. We'll be right back to talk about how we can. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. 
to syndicated broadcast personalities Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. And help. And we are back with Malika Barry Rogers. I feel like we've talked about so much, um, or at least the important stuff, and that is the work that you're doing, the fact that you are funding other organizations like a fund of funds, which is so powerful. It is so, so powerful because we have a lot of people, a lot of women already doing great work. Um, but I think what is so powerful about what you are doing, Malika, and the rest of your partners is that you are funding others. So I just, there's so much to be said about that as women leaders. But um, what is it that we haven't asked you? What do we need to know? What else? I mean, as we um, wrap up in this last break, I feel like uh, there's probably some things that we need to know that we don't know. So I'll share the most important message that I have to share today is not only if you can join us, please do join us, but if you can't join us, do think about giving us a donation. And here's why that's important. It's because the work that we do is funded by the collective of women and collective of uh, individuals who come together and make their donations. And I know that we often think that philanthropy is for big foundations uh, in another state, someplace else, the money parachutes in and drops on somebody's lap and they distribute it. And we hope to be among those who receive a gift, but philanthropy is actually at home. It is what we have been doing as a black community and is what black women have been doing for generations. And so what I would ask is a $5 donation, a $10 donation, and what you know is where the money will be going because you will see it in the Dream Fund. You will see it in the Black Girl Joy Awards. You will see it on the bus tour. You'll be able to attend the conference. And if you are a black woman leader who is supporting an organization, you have access. The minute you apply for a grant, whether or not you receive it, you become a member of the Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. That membership gets you access to what we call the SAGE circle, where we offer a training around how to develop your nonprofit budget, how to uh, design uh, girl-centered programming, how to think about your work uh, in terms of evaluation. That's available to you simply for applying whether or not you've actually received a Black Girl Joy Award. What we want to do is to understand and build a sector of Black women leaders because it's important for the South and it's important for the nation. When we think about who the leaders are, 
when we think about what changes, if we think about what's happening today, um, I don't know if you all remember years ago when people were talking about black women were at the bottom of the totem pole and black women were kind of, if you had a pecking order for anything, black women and girls were at the bottom of that pecking order, things have changed substantially. And what we want to be able to do is to continue to foster that growth and development. Now, listen, we're still fighting for our position at the table, but there's more of us. We have a bigger voice. We always, we've always had voice. We've always had voice, but we've got a bigger platform now to say what we want to say. And what we need is every woman's participation. Your small donations, your large donations, your volunteering with us as a wisdom council member to select grantee partners. You telling somebody, girl, I heard about this, go on ahead and apply. We need you. We need every last one of you. And we need the girl dads too. Yeah, well, I want to defer to Dee because Dee is, is, in my opinion, the, the, the chief of, of marshalling the power of, and the influence of Black women. I mean, she really, really is that on so many platforms. But I want to say this, and I'm glad you said girl dads. And This is not a cause just for, for Black women to contribute. This is not just a cause for people that live in the South to contribute to. I challenge Black men and those of us who do not live in these Southern states but for sure probably has a direct connection to people in those states to also give. So I don't want to sound like this is a, a call for support just from black women who in or are in the South or those women in the South. This really is an initiative that uplifts all of us across the nation. If we can, again, address these really deep disparities that are maybe more prevalent in some of these Southern states, but they really have a ripple effect across the board. And again, you know, Dee mentioned ties. Yeah, we have a, you know, the ties, you know, but everything above the tithe is an offering. And tithe is not meant to be the ceiling on our giving. It's meant to be the floor of our giving. And it's not just what you give in church. It's what you do for causes like this to help serve, um, again, the least of these and uplift those who need help outside the community. So that's what I want to say. I don't want people to feel like they got left off the hook because of their gender or where they live. I appreciate that because you're right. We, it is invariable that lots of Black people, whether or not they live in any portion of the United States, have a tie to the South. And they're not, they're probably a generation or two away from that tie to the South. And because they probably visit here during summertime or come to the King Center to visit the Martin Luther King Center, or they go home to Florida, you name it, any reason that there is uh, to visit the South, Black people probably have a connection. And, and we know if we want to talk, you know, Tasha here, she talked political and voting power. But what we know is that the southern states did their work this past election cycle. And we turned some states purple. We turned some elections. We flipped some elections. And that is because we were focused on the mission at hand. We understood our assignment in the South. And so investing in the South is a smart investment. It's a, it's a smart investment to invest in women. And it's a smart investment to invest in the South. I don't even know what else to say. I mean, you have said it all. You're doing great work. I so appreciate you, my sister. Um, yeah, and I think what is the last and final is if everybody tuned in could make a contribution. Um, you know, there's a saying that the only measure of commitment, everybody listening say commitment, hashtag commitment. The only measure of commitment is action and taking action. Um, an action, not in the way of slacktivism, not in the way of just talking about, oh, I just listened to Malika Berry, um, but supporting. Um, and so I think that's such a big 
need for us to do that more, particularly Black women. And, you know, God is still working on me, but I can sometimes be super judgy around if you have lashes and Brazilian number 12, but then you can't contribute or support your sister friends, you know, it sometimes uh, just uh, gets under my skin. But I thank you that you created an opportunity for us and where we feel like we can support, that we can make a contribution. The last thing that I will ask you, um, I think there's a, a great opportunity for this is, can you share with our audience how you distinguish between philanthropy and donating and giving. I think for so many people, it's a new space, right? Tithing, donating, and then philanthropic giving, what exactly and how you frame that um, before we have to wrap up. So uh, I will, uh, perhaps we'll take an attempt to erase some of those lines. So what we have understood around philanthropy, the common understanding is philanthropy is done by other people and given perhaps to us. Philanthropy comes from outside of us to us. And those that when it comes outside from us, of to us, then there are decisions that are made about where the funding should be going. Those decisions also come from outside of us to us. And, and what this giving model, what collective giving, what we're talking about does is it allows us to direct where the money should go. It allows us to make those investments and to inform where it goes. And so it's not an outsider's conversation about who we are and what we need, but it's an insider's conversation about who we are and what we need. And what philanthropy can learn from us is to sit at the table with us and be in that conversation. For so many years, they have been making this conversation up on their own and or with great data and, and doing some really good work to kind of fund the need as they understood it. But how much more powerful is it going to be when they are sitting at the table with us as Southern Black girls and women or sitting at the table with us as Black community members and making those decisions collectively? Then we will all know that the money is going in the right place. And so I want to erase the line between philanthropy because we have been giving to ourselves for a long time. So it is us. And then the, a donation is actually an investment in us, right? And so we continue to do that. And I think, Alfred, I can't do any better than your description of tithe before, you know, you're doing the bare minimum and giving on top and making your offering. I think that's exactly right. And for those folks who would love to kind of check us out, look underneath the hood, see if we're a good investment, go to southernblackgirls.org. If you're on Instagram, find us there. You can find us all of our channels at southernblackgirls.org. And you'll find us on Facebook. You'll find us on Instagram. We're working on our TikTok. We don't quite have that yet, but hold on, give us a minute. We're getting there. Um, but you'll find us there and, and you'll be able to see what a success this Atlanta tour was last week. We're heading to Elaine, Arkansas um, and Little Rock, Arkansas this coming week. And then the next week we are heading to three cities and Alabama and Jackson, Mississippi. So get on the tour with us. If you can't be there, get on the Instagram with us, follow us around and let us know how much you care about Southern Black girls and women and give us a small donation or a large donation. We'll take it all. Woo, that was juicy. That was so, so, so good. Uh, and But that is our show for today. We are, we are wrapping up this amazing conversation about where is the equity in our children's future. And we just completed this interview and conversation with none other than Malika Barry Rogers, Executive Director, Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. And, you know, Alfred, I think it was so powerful that Malika and the other partners are doing something about our children's future and specifically the most vulnerable, 
women, uh, black women and girls. Girls are um, so vulnerable as it pertains to our financial health and well-being. And I know that you know that all so well. Um, but what'd you think of our conversation today? It was a powerful conversation. And as you said, we're talking about focusing on the most vulnerable. But here's the other thing about that. The return on investment is so great. That part. Population. What we get back, not just as Black people, not just as people of faith, but the world gets back from investing in this population is just amazing. And what we're talking about is good stewardship. Where do we put our resources that's going to get the best return on investment? So I was very impressed and inspired by Malika Berry Rogers and the work of the Southern Black Girls and Women's Consortium. But listen, guys, you definitely want to stay up with, with everything that we're doing with Be Lifted Up Radio. You're listening to Be Lifted Up Radio. You can follow us on social, all the platforms at B, the letter B, Lifted Up Radio. You can go to BeLiftedUpRadio.com to listen to this show and other um, episodes of the show. And we just want you to stick with us as we continue to focus on living that abundant life. This is us, Be Lifted Up, Alfred Edmund Jr., D. Marshall, your guide to living an abundant life. Thanks for joining us. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a Black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.